What's up, you beauties? Welcome to another episode of High and Wide Radio, episode 4.1, brand new season. To be exact, I'm Jim here as always with Jack and Kyle. If you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Quick shout out to the affiliate sites, fullpresscoverage.com and bellyupsports.com. Belly Up Sports, they do what the others don't. Make sure you check us out on Radio Unhinged. Uh, go follow them on Twitter at Unhinged Radio. Uh, give us a listen, a 24-7 uh, radio station, internet radio station. It's pretty cool. Check out some of the other podcasts on there as well. Uh, while you're listening to our episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net. Anything you want in, in pertaining to the Flyers or the NHL, we're doing some division recaps. we got some power rankings coming out. Old episodes, new episodes. If you want it, Philadelphia Flyers, we got it over there. Um, and for this episode, we have topics galore. <laughs> You're a dickhead. <laughs> you don't say. You know what? I feel like giving away some t-shirts. Who wants a t-shirt? First five comments gets a t-shirt. Great idea. I thought you were going to start cursing like crazy. That's, that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. Yeah, so uh, episode 4.1, starting off with a bang. A lot to get to. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> nightmare tommy Tammy. first t-shirt right, cool. going out the nightmare tommy make sure you shoot us a dm tommy all right let's get to the to the real news straight away we'll knock it out Travis sandheim signed for two years 4.675 i want to know your guys thoughts uh on the on the signing i think it was a bit of an overpayment but the flyers were clearly worried about this going to arbitration clearly they wouldn't have settled for that high if they weren't I'm not sure what I'm not sure what Sandheim's camp was exactly asking for, but it had to be higher or it had to be at least reasonable for the arbitrator to consider it. So what I heard, it was five and a quarter. I don't know the years, but I do know they were. Well, I've heard they were allegedly asking for five and a quarter, which after last season is absolutely absurd. Um, however, got to take everything into account and. He's definitely, we knew he was going to get a raise even after a horrible season. And when you see how some of these defensemen, how much money they're making, like Darnell Nurse or even, um, who else did the Oilers? Cody CeCe's contract, but that's a free agent deal. Like a lot of crazy money is going out to defensemen, except for like Savard who went you know to his hometown because he wants to win. And um, just a few here and there, but a lot, like look at Seth Jones, how much money he got. I know he's, really good according to the analytic crew he's horrible but like he got a ton of money which is actually making me feel a lot better about guys like Provorov and Ryan Ellis and what we got them in for but Sandheim and my initial reaction was a bit of an overreaction it's a two year it's a two year you know deal it, it, the, the money's not that bad do I think he honestly deserves it not really but was could I blame everything on Sandheim no it has a lot to his game but he's got zero physicality you know I mean every I don't, Jim. You make some good points about him and Ristolainen and how that could potentially be a be a nightmare. <laughs> like, I, I hope not. I hope they turn things around. Um, if he has a good season with this revamped D and everybody comes back as the Flyers come back as a much better team, year two of this deal is going to be a bit of a bargain. But they walked him right to free agency, which does not benefit the Flyers at all. Which means he's going to be asking for if he has any, at all a good two years, even. A subpar or just mediocre he's gonna be asking for a lot of money because he's a second pair defenseman and as the you know inflation and defenseman being a premium he might 
be in the right to ask for a ton and the Flyers might have to move on. Um, we kind of alluded to off air some of the cap issues they might have. I don't want to steal your thunder, Kyle, but I see this number. It's already more than I think he's worth at this time. Uh, it's there's nothing. The Flyers don't get him long term. They don't benefit anything. They got zero unrestricted free agent years. You know, it's not the end of the world, but it would not surprise me if he's not here in a few years. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. The, so the money right off the bat, you knew he was going to make more than you were hoping he was going to get, right? It's, for me, when I saw what Harcott, instantly I knew that Sandheim was going to be, in my mind, overpaid. Because some fans are out there saying they're surprised he, he only got what he got. You know, and you have um, what I was surprised with. Actually, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I was saying the whole time, two-year contract for Sandheim. It benefits him, right? Because, Jack, you mentioned free agency. And it benefits the Flyers. If San, if this is what Travis Sanheim is, and he's 25 years old, a two-year contract makes sense, right? Because you don't want to have, you know, him clogging up a roster spot uh, that could that could go to Cam York in two three years, right? So the contract for for me, the length made a lot of sense for both sides. Uh, the money, eh, I don't know. He, for I guess when you look at let's say Seth Jones, and it's Funny that you brought him up, Jack, because um, he did make a he did get a lot of money. He got what nine point five million. They backed the truck up, right? And and the analytics guys hate Seth Jones, but he just got a nine point five million average annual value on a what an eight nine year deal. And eight here years. Travis Sanheim is an analytics darling, gets two years four point six seven five. Make it make sense to me because obviously I don't understand something. I'm missing something. Travis Sanheim's best year is just a little bit better than Seth Jones's worst year. I don't get it. What am I missing? Well, the analytics <laughs> I won't tell you this, and I'll keep it short and Kyle, you can go, but it's not a perfect science. There's no amount of numbers you can compile to come up with the perfect solution. It's not. It's everybody's different for their own reasons. I would just uh, boil it up to uh, a lack of illogical thought. If, if, <laughs> if you can't think logically, you're you're spot on with the analytics. <laughs> I feel like when you go down certain analytic rabbit holes, because we all do it, right? We, we get so focused in and closed in on the point that we're trying to make that we only look for facts and, and numbers and points that support our theory, right? That, that when you finally come out and, and you tell everybody what you found, you're like, you know, people who see things from different perspectives are like, well, you missed all these good things about this player. Or, you know, while you're trying to make this guy look so good, you forgot about all these bad points about this player. You know what I mean? You know, we all do it. But the analytic things, it, it just bothers me a little bit because they're so certain that they have these facts that support their point. You know, and, and now it's like, well, these guys must be smart because they're good with numbers. So they know what they're talking about. Get out of here, man. I'm sorry. This stuff bothers me. I know we're talking about Travis Sanheim. And I'm going. Well, I mean, you're not. You're not wrong, Jim. You're not wrong because the analytics community have told us some really strange things and have made some Skip Bayless accusations, like points <laughs> don't matter, faceoffs don't matter. Yeah. Um, Travis Sanheim's season last year was the best of his career. Like these are outrageous claims. Yeah. Like it, it's unbelievable. It's like you're. It's I say skip bells because it's like you're, you're purposely saying something to garner attention. And Jim, you said this on in case you missed it. It's 
it, it devalues the actual analytic crowd, the ones who aren't that crazy. You know what I mean? Like Charlie O'Connor comes to mind. Like we might not always agree with what he says, but he backed Seth Jones. He, he showed analytics that showed Seth Jones was actually a pretty good defenseman. And, you know, it wasn't a perfect, you know, science or whatnot. But, like, he's not a guy making these outrageous claims like some of the other analytic community. And that's what's, like, causing this massive divide. And you can see it now. We're becoming more and more and more divided. It's getting crazy. Yeah. And and I I get it. Like, a lot of it is, you know, they want to be the one that discovers something new. Or they want the, the Twitter clout or the recognition and whatever it is. And if you're a fan of the guy, if you're, let's say, Travis Sanheim, I think it was the JFresh account that came out and said Sanheim's a very good top-line defensive uh, partner or whatever. Um, If you're a fan of Sanheim, you're going to go, well, yes, I support this statement because I like Travis Sanheim. If you can watch the game objectively and um, try not to have a favorite player, like, for example, I, I like Sanheim. I think he can be good. But I'm not going to go out of my way to defend him because I know that he also has his flaws, right? I'm not going to agree with somebody's statement just because I want it to be true or I want to support that statement because I like Travis Sanheim. I say, well, you know, I watch Travis Sanheim 82 games a season. I know for a fact that he's not a top-line defensive uh, pairing guy right now. Can Can he build into that? Yeah, I think so. Do I think he's running out of time a little bit? Yeah, because you get to a point where what you are is just what you are. He's going to be 26 by the time the season's done. You know, when Ghost was kind of, um, I don't know how to say, was he breaking out at 26? How old is Ghost now? He's like 27, 28. You're not um, really young when you hit 26, 27 anymore. It's kind of like you're. this is your prime. You are what you are or you're just, you're just not good. You know, it's it's not going to happen after a certain age. No, you're, you're right. And we tend to have a little more leeway with defensemen. I think that's more with defensive defensemen when you're talking about how long it takes them to develop. But with offensive defensemen, you tend to see it early, and then the league figures them out, and can they sustain it? Can they change their game to make it work more consistently? That was Ghost's problem. He came in, he took the league by storm, he finishes third in the uh, MVP, or I'm sorry, the Calder race. You know, and then he had his 65 point season, which we'll never hear the end of. And since then, he's been, he's been horrible. He, I mean, let's be real. I mean, I, I get it. Okay, offensively, he can show flashes. He does that little move where he's like, "I'm going to go this way." Nope, no, I'm not. Even though everybody knows what he's going to do. And he's got some, <laughs> you know, neutral zone. He's not bad defensively in the neutral zone, but his zone end, it's a, it's a dumpster fight. It's horrible. He's got zero board play. You know, so the league has essentially figured him out, and that's why four and a half million dollars is is not cheap, but it's not necessarily a lot of money either. So the fact that they had to ship him out of here and give up all the draft picks they did, and the other teams managed to ask for Cam York just to take him or a first, the thirteenth overall just to take him, I think that tells you uh, his value. So Sandheim's case, very similar defenseman. I think he's better defensively. Uh, he's also a bit bigger, although you wouldn't know based on how he plays with his zero physicality, which is kind of yeah. a big thing in hockey, uh, particularly with board play and whatnot. It's just I, I'm a little, I, I was going to say I'm a little worried, but I'm not in the sense that. And Jim, again, got to give credit to uh, in case you missed it. This sound this feels like another tryout contract. 
This is the second version of a bridge deal. And I hate that it walks them right to unrestricted free agency. Yeah, sure. It keeps them around. We're going to have to say goodbye, most likely to Alb Kubel. Not that anybody's losing anything, any sleep over that one. But, you know, you still have to make room for, for this contract, which we were all wrong about. Certain people thought he'd be getting more, but I don't know how that's warranted. You got a, a flat cap situation that you would think would lower some salaries, but based on the defensemen and what they're signing, no. Uh, he's He's got youth. So there's something there, but like right now I cannot see how he's going to remain a flyer in the future unless somebody else, Ristolainen doesn't work out, York falls flat, something like that. Like somebody just doesn't work out. Like I just, I don't see it. Kyle, when you see, and I agree, Jack, when you see Travis Sanheim, when you think of Travis Sanheim, what adjectives pop into your mind? How would you describe Travis Sanheim? Put me on the spot much. Here, I got one. String bean. (laughs) Gumby. (laughs) I'd say he's agile. Yeah. He's quick. Um, A bit lost (laughs) at times. Uh, He's weak in front of his own net. He's weak in uh, deep in the zone along the corners behind the net. He's weak in overtime when he goes head first into the boards for whatever reason. I mean, he's the he's the opposite of clutch. Like in in crunch time, he, he at least last year and the year a little bit the year before too. Like he he falls to pieces a bit. Now all the talent is there. Like can he bring it together? I don't know. Like I I, I think he can. Out of the three of us, I think I'm probably the biggest Sandheim fan. I could be wrong. I'm just last year was so bad. It sounds like we all hate the guy. It's not the case. I just didn't think, and this is because I look at the cap situation and the team from a, I look at it from a team perspective because I want all these guys to stay on the team. So I look at the cap. The cap is important. It's not the nineties. Like we have to make sure these guys can fit. So if it comes off, like I dislike the guy, it's not true. I mean, I I like Sandheim. I think he'd be, he could be a really good second pairing defenseman. I honestly think he should get playoff time before Proveroff. And I hope that happens. I hope it's on the second pairing with Ristolainen or something. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I imagine Yandel will at least start the year on the first power play unit, you know, but like for the, what he's been asking and what he thinks he's worth and what I've seen is not matching up and that's a disconnect. And I, I don't know if you want to call this a hot take. I don't think it's a take. I just, it's just a theory, but did they bring in Rista Linen, who's going to make a release $6 million because he's not going to take less after this year unless, the, and I can't see them moving on from the guy for what they gave up. Is he a replacement for Sam Hyde, uh temporary or theoretically? And then Cam York steps up or something along those lines. Are they looking that far into the future? I, based on the cap situation that they're going to be in? And I don't know. But if where there's smoke, there's fire. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. What's what's nice right now is they're, they have options, right? If things don't work out with Sanheim. And it's not like like, like Sanheim doesn't have that much um leverage like he can't play like he's played and expect a monster contract when when this is up right because he hasn't played horribly but he hasn't lived up to and maybe this is part of the problem he hasn't lived up to the hype right when when i think offensive puck moving defenseman i'm thinking at least you know 35 points a season 40 points a season and I feel like it shouldn't – I mean, I feel like 
that's not too much to ask from a guy like Sandheim, who's not giving you, uh, like, like Kyle mentioned, the tough, dirty defensive play that you would like from a six foot three defenseman, 180 pounds. That's why we're not seeing that because when we say big body players, we don't mean height, by the way. We mean big body. Like, if you're going to be 6'3", you need to be at least 200 pounds, right? It's, so I just wanted to clarify that because some people equate big players to height for some reason. You can be 5'5", five, five and 200 pounds, you're a brick house. Just wanted to clear that up. He's not tough in the defensive zones. And if you're not going to – if you're not able to play that style, it's okay if you can't. But you need to really excel – in the areas that you're supposed to be good at, at least in my opinion. Because if you're not getting either one from, from this guy, I think you do. You kind of have to start looking to move on. How are we going to replace him? If we're not getting this out of him, we're already not getting this. We got Cam York, who's a stud in the making, coming up behind him. We can't block York, right? And we got Rista Line and the guy they just traded first-round pick for. You would assume they would like to resign. To me, Sanheim looks like he could be the odd man out. And the contract, at least to me, kind of proved that. You know, another prove-it deal for Travis Sanheim. It's um, a little bit discouraging, I, I think. Well, look, it comes down to this. Which player is Cam York more like, Travis Sanheim or Ristolainen? Mm, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe a mix. I think it's more Sanheim. I think yeah. he's more offensive. I think he's more of a complete defenseman, but leans on his offense a little bit. Or where Ristolainen is a gigantic, like you know, he has offensive uh, play, but he's going to hit people. You know, he's going to that's of his defensive play. That's what he's going to do. He's going to instill fear. He's going to hit people. He's going to get people. He's got better board game work than Sanheim. He's going to push people Freeze. out of the net and whatnot. <laughs> Sanheim's more of that offensive stick handling, puck moving defenseman. Yeah. So if you get my point, I think. York leans much more towards the Sandheim style defenseman. I don't know which one you think is more offensive. I probably lean Sandheim, but I mean, how tall is, is York at this point? Like I can see him on a pairing with Ristolainen before I could see York and Sandheim together. And then when you talk financials and who drafted Sandheim, that was Hextall. Who traded for Ristolainen? That was Fletcher. Who drafted yeah. Ken York? That was Fletcher. I mean, like, this, this is how these guys are. This is they, they want their players. They want their mark on the team. And Fletcher has definitely put his mark on the team. And, I, I mean, I'm not saying this is what it is. This is just like the seeds of what's going to go. Two years, <laughs> come two years, don't be surprised if they're even if they haven't already traded them or if they're moving on. Yeah. Uh, real quick here, Cam York. 20 years old, 5'11", 175, four inches. So just in case anyone gets annoyed when I bring up height and size and, and whatnot, the guy's four, Cam York's four inches shorter and he's five pounds less. So here's, here's why I bring that up. Because Sandheim is supposed to be known for this puck-possessing defenseman, fast on his skates, skates like a gazelle. Dude, if you give me somebody that weighs a buck 90, 5'10", and all he's out there to do is separate people from the puck. He's separating the puck from Sandheim every time because he's going to body him off the puck. That, that's why I, That's why size matters. A lot of these guys, the analytic guys, want to tell you that size doesn't matter. And if you're fast and you can shoot, you know, that, that's all you need. And, hey, if you have the skill to play in the NHL, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what size you, size you are. But size does matter with some players. And I believe Sanheim is one of those guys. He gets bodied off pucks. He's going to lose puck battles in the corner. 
It's not big enough to hold people off. I mean, Kyle, like you can attest to this. I know you like, you know, you like these bigger guys. If if you're tall, it doesn't mean shit. That's nope. all. It means well, you have no. a higher center of gravity. You're easier yeah. to knock off the puck. Yeah. 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 Especially if a guy has no pushback, you're going to get right under it, right under him. Like where the hip meets the elbow and just push him right off the puck and sneak in there. We all saw that like five foot 10 guy beat the hell out of him against the boards. Great example. Nathan Kirby. Didn't he kick his ass in a fight? Like, come yeah, on. I was trying to look for who the hell it was, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Rocks Claude Drew and then he beats Travis Sanheim. That was embarrassing to watch. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm going to defend that? this. I'm gonna have to find a way to defend this, and I got I, I got do. nothing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm really trying not to make a big deal, but like, I guess my point is, everything factors into a game. It's not just a numbers game. Size does matter. Like every, it's that's why it's such a beautiful game because, you know, there are so many ways to play it, and there's so many factors that go into a winning team, and you you need them all. You know, it's not one or the other. It's just you know, it irks me a little bit. So I'm glad we got all this analytics talk off of our chest here while we're talking about Travis <laughs> Sanheim. <laughs> um, I mean, all the analytics told so, us how good he's okay, going to be. Let's, let's and I, I still like Sanheim, but like last yeah. year's a perfect example of how the numbers don't back up the play on the ice. Yeah. The Flyers were predicted by a lot of people to be win the division, if not at least make the playoffs. And a couple of them had them go to the finals. Like they got absolutely embarrassed. Yep. And yeah, it's not all on Sandheim, but the defense was clearly the biggest issue. And Sandheim and Provorov are essentially, and Braun, I guess, are essentially the last men standing from that horrible, horrible defense. Yep. And Kyle, you brought this up a couple shows ago. They revamped their biggest issue, which was the defense. Sandheim was a part of that defense. Was it all his fault? No, but God forbid, he's got to take some kind of accountability with that. So, hey, listen, maybe let's look at this glass half full. Contracts are signed, got a good raise. It's almost borderline perfect scenario for Sandheim. He walks to free agency, he gets a significant raise based on a horrible year. And now he can just focus on hockey, you know, and he's going to want to have two good years of hockey because he's going to be a free agent, which either he's asking for a ton from us or from the rest of the league. And considering he'd be a, what a 28 year old defenseman at that point, uh, movie defenseman, yeah. he's going to be one hell of a commodity. So again, my biggest concern here with the Sandheim deal is our signings for next year. So after next year, uh, obviously the big ones are Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier. That's the big slappy right in the face. Uh, we we brought up Rasmus Ristolainen. He's going to be in need of a new contract. If he performs well here, you're going to assume Fletcher wants to keep him. And then you got the guys like, let's say, Kubel, Lezinski, Farabee, Frost, Wade Allison, Jackson Cates. All these guys are in need of contracts. Cap starts to look pretty tight here. How, how do you guys foresee this shaping up after this year dude it is going to be interesting isn't it um so last night uh dan and i actually on in case you missed it we're talking about couturier and, and the implications you know that could have on the roster is you know it's couturier obviously you're only going to win a stanley cup if you got if you have him on the roster because you're not going to replace him with anybody as good um so you you essentially have to sign him to the contract. So I'm already looking at it like, all right, you're paying Coots. I don't know. 
I don't know if you want to speculate 8. on what 5? that contract. Let's let's say at least at the very least eight point five over you know an extended contract. Yeah, I think then you're in some. Uh, let me just bring the flyers up here on cap friendly. I yes. have them up. What do you need? No, Adam. So we're looking at yeah. You're looking at Nack, Lazinski, Faraby, Frost, Thompson. I mean, well, Thompson's gone. He's retiring yeah. after this year. Yeah, you're hoping. I, I I'm hoping that Faraby plays well enough to get a you know a solid contract. I'm not sure what it. What I'm it more concerned like. about Wade Allison's contract. Uh, he'd have to really Both have of a them. good year. To, well, to no, I'm saying. I'm saying who's going to get the biggest raise here? Obviously Faraby, but Faraby's earned it, right? If uh, well, Wade if he does Allison, it again, definitely, yeah. If Wade Allison plays, but at what's the earned same it though? Pace, Hold on, what's earned it? How much are we talking with Faraby here? Because he's still I on the bridge contract. I would say area. he would still, yeah, but he'd still he's going to come in over three five. He's going to be right around. Oh, four. I, I would take that. Yeah, that's fine. They'll they'll be able to maneuver that. Don't be surprised if next year, depending on how Limbaugh plays, if they dangle him in some kind of. I mean, even Lawton, I can't see that after already being signed, but I could see Lindblom. Uh, I could, they got too many guys in the bottom half, too many other guys coming up like Forrester, like wisdom. They can't have $3 million players on the third and fourth lines. They're going to have to move somebody. You're, my you first, know, my first, gone. my first inclination is you got JVR sitting there on a one-year contract. That's probably your easiest high dollar amount to move next off season. Never thought I'd hear Kyle say that, but you're absolutely right. He's your boy. And if, and if JVR can perform next year the way he performed last year, albeit, yeah, okay, we get it, everybody. He didn't score 182 goals. Like, we know. <laughs> he was still one of the Flyers. He was still one of the Flyers' best performers last year oh, by easy. a long shot. And if he can read, if he can play that way again next this coming season, He's a very tradable high dollar contract. And at that point, you have to consider it because Kevin Hayes isn't. No, Hayes ain't going. Plus, he got no trade clause. So it don't matter for you, Hayes. He's, he's out, you know. But you're absolutely right. A one year guy, even though it's $7 million, but he scores goals, that's a movable contract. It is. And pending how Farabee and Allison play, it may make Konechny quite expendable. There's a good point. That's a guy. That's a name that I thought could have been moved this off season. Come next off season, absolutely. I I mean, I hope things work out, but he could absolutely be moved. And uh, the only other thing we're not talking about is, luckily for us, as much as I hate it, the uh, advertisements on the jerseys will most likely lead to the cap going up because all the teams are going to make some kind of money off of that. That is true. I hate yeah. it, but it is what it is. How much have we looked into putting an HW symbol on the little uh-huh. three inch flying yeah, HW here? We yeah, should, on the fly. We got to check right where the orange dot is. Check, on, yeah, we got to check our we got to check our account real quick, and then right here, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I feel. It's whatever. The only thing that I'm worried about is it's only going to get worse. You know, oh, they, oh, it's know everyone's fine with get worse. You guys ever see Mystery Come on, dude? Man? It started. It started with a two-week lockdown. What did you? <laughs> yeah, they're only going worse. on the helmets, and now they're on the jersey. All of a sudden, I'm telling gonna, you, there's another I'm spot over you. here for another one. They're going to be covered. They're going to be yeah. covered one day. Hopefully, yeah. we're all old men by then. But that's how it starts. Yep. Yeah, it's whatever. I don't. I don't like it as long as they make it look tasteful and not just some like you know, like purple yellow logo on a Flyers jersey or something. You know, 
I mean, I don't know what the hell it's going to look like, but Watch. it'll be like a TD bank or something. Yeah, just green, a big green dot. Green on it. Out. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, a TD bank on the jersey in the Wells Fargo Center. Now that'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there is a guy, we were talking about size earlier and Jack, you brought this guy up in uh, the pre-show. I don't even, I don't remember his first name. Do you remember his first name? Vandalist Jackson or is uh, Jackson Jackson Vandalist six foot seven, 238 pounds, undrafted 20 year old left-handed defenseman. Yowza. That's a big boy. I'm going to just hockey DB him real quick. Vandalist. Where did he come from? He came from the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, so we also, were where Travis Sandheim came from. Phil Myers as well, if I'm not mistaken. Really, I, I didn't double check that. that. Interesting. He's from the same mold of Zamula and Felipe Myers as they were undrafted. And Zamula were... also was from the Calgary Hitmen. Really? For fact, yeah. <laughs> Let me just double check that on Phil Myers. For Zamula, I'm almost 100% po uh, positive. Uh. Okay, never mind. So Phil Myers was from <laughs> Royan Noranda Huskies. Let me just double check on Duran Duran. Yeah. <laughs> don't ask me to say that twice. I don't know what that is. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Zamul was definitely from Calgary. Phil Myers was not. Okay. So interesting. 2019 was his See, last year. No, no, no. Neil, you got Phil Myers. Felipe Myers tried out for the Calgary Flames. They got cut. Oh, okay. And then yeah, it came yeah. here. Thank you. That's exactly right. All right. So now let me go back to Van Delis. It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I already view this guy as somebody will trade down the line for somebody who's actually pretty good in a package with somebody else. Yeah, we'll get the second overall pick again this year. And Don't say that. <laughs> hey, um, thank God they didn't just move Nolan Patrick for nothing, by the way, right? Like I was suggested like two seasons ago. You guys yeah, that was a pretty that. bad take. I'm going to be honest with you. You guys are, you guys are uh, one for two on that one. Those See, I'll bring up my misses too. Not only did they move him for nothing, they had to give up. They got their top defenseman for him. Well, we are. Me and Jim both said they were going to have to give up a decent amount to get rid of Ghost. You guys <laughs> were saying that before the flat cap, though. That was funny. I, I, <laughs> with the flat cap, okay. But they did do it, so you were technically right. But to get something for um, Nolan Patrick, and it is funny that even Nashville was like, yeah, we heard Vegas wants him too and shipped him that way immediately. It's kind of funny. And I wouldn't be surprised if Felipe Myers is pretty decent in Nashville because that's where defense is going they have a hell of a program down there for defensemen. I mean, Felipe Myers should have done backflips. Like, come on. Like, you couldn't go to a better place. I know. Apparently, it's fun as hell down there. Oh, oh. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's <was> awesome. <laughs> That's a good – he's got time to develop over there now because, uh, you know, the, the market they're, – they're, they're like a fun hockey town. Like Kyle, you said, it's a fun, fun town. Um, they're not like diehard hockey fans. Like, if the, if the Predators suck this year – you know, they're not going to care. You know, how many Nashville Predator podcasts are out there? You know, you, you play in the Flyers market. You got a new Flyers podcast every day. If the Flyers stink, we're all angry. The world sucks. It's going to take, <laughs> you know, Phil Myers is going to have the time to develop properly over there is what I'm saying. It, it, he didn't have the time here. You know right? what they and, remind me of? They remind me of like the St. Louis fan base, more so in baseball. You know, they call it baseball heaven. Because yeah. the fans, no matter what happens, they're always cheering. Yeah. Nashville, like when they're doing poorly, they're like not into it. But when they're good, they're behind them. They yeah. they do get behind them. And I, I mean, honestly, that's like an ideal hockey city in that regard because you don't get mad at the fan base. Like, listen, we're too we're too rough up here, but we expect to win. They're blue collar 
yeah. city. Like, we, you know, we're paying every last cent we got to come see you guys play. This isn't excess money. Like, I mean, one day we'll be the way, you know, Comcast and corporate's going. But as of now, we're still dragging our asses there expecting to see wins. And when you don't win, you get booed. And, they, you know, you know guys like Borchek are out of here for that reason. So I, sometimes I still can't believe that that actually happened. One of the worst takes I heard, and it, it was a while ago, but it was like, I don't like what the Flyers did this offseason. I like Ellis, but everything else wasn't good. Uh, Borchek for Atkinson was a lateral move. I'm like, they could not be diff- more different players, and you call that a lateral move. Are you yeah. kidding me? Kidding me. That's an unfortunate take. You don't remember where you saw that? No, I do not. It was it was like right after it happened, and I'm just like Atkinson's like Bryce Harpering this, and this has been said, but like he really is. He's doing cheese take like challenges and takes, and he's you know hanging out with Gritty all the time. And when we see him play, we're gonna love him even more. I mean, he's very smart because even if he do, he comes out and he plays not well, he's you know fans are gonna still like him. I don't see it as a lateral move, Kyle. Do you see it as a lateral move? Um, lateral move maybe in terms of points production yeah yeah like um, maybe maybe a points lateral but in terms of compete will to win uh just an overall likable guy uh no not even close i mean i honestly think Vorchek might wind up with more points at the end of the year but Atkinson's gonna pop more goals is he still a 40 point well i think only a 40 goal scorer i think he only did that once 35 plus Probably not, but he's going to flirt with 30, I think, 25, I think. You know, he's going to be amazing on the penalty kill. He's going to put in, he's actually going to finish if he gets a breakaway on the penalty kill on like Lawton. Love you, but like he just could not finish. Like he's going to be really good. It's almost like having a stud cornerback in football where you're getting a pick six. You know, that, that that's huge. And not only do you like go up, but like you change the momentum of the game. That's so demoralizing to another team when you're on the power play and this guy scores against you. And when he did it against the Flyers, plenty. And I, I love the accent acquisition. I thought I was going to screw that one up. And I love getting Jake out of here. I mean, it could it, it could not be a better swap. You're bringing in a guy who's virtually, I don't want to say hated, that's the wrong word, but it just was not right for the city anymore. He just wasn't. It was time to move on. And you bring in a guy who couldn't be more Philly, and he's going to play like that blue-collar city wants to see. He's going to lay it all on the line. He's going to be energetic, high motor, everything. And we need more guys who can shoot the puck. Right now, we just got JVR. It's the only guy who should shoot first. Now you got Atkinson, who's done it. And it's gonna it's gonna show. I'm telling you, I have all the confidence in the world. Kim Magnuson will be a hell of a player. A guy. Uh, this is one thing that I really I, I want to try to pound into people's heads. Um, a guy like Cam Atkinson mentoring somebody like Joel Farabee means so much more than Jake Voracek mentoring a guy like Joel Farabee. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Realistically, would you want Voracek mentoring anyone? <laughs> uh maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe somebody who is too high strung i mean <laughs> i mean it's it's just to your point really like Atkinson is the kind of guy where it's like let's look at me man don't worry about cashing your paycheck this is team first i don't like losing like i i don't like losing you know we were in columbus and i think we were we overperformed because we cared because we tried I, I columbus was they had some nice names at times, but ultimately they were not that good of a team. And I believe they overperformed, especially after they lost Bob and Panarin and still gave this division fits. 
They still gave Tampa fits. Like they, this team did more than anybody expected them to do. And now we have one of those players here and they got a player who underperformed the team underperformed. They always were below expectations. And when they did finally make the playoffs, they got absolutely embarrassed. I'd rather have the guy who overperformed who gives cares more. And that's what I think we have in Atkinson. And he's going to bleed for you where Voracek's going to cash his check and say, well, I showed up. I had a hot take somewhat here. Well, it's not a hot take, just, you know, something. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. No, you can't tease it and not say it. We're <laughs> live. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know why this popped into my mind, but we're talking about Cam Atkinson, and I just happened to be looking over his hockey DB stuff. And, Uh-oh. you know, he performs well in the playoffs for Columbus, like almost, almost a point per game pace, almost. I'm wondering if, you know, the Flyers can get him a couple more playoff games. They get out of the first round for a round or two. Now, I'm, I'm not going to say that Cam Atkinson is Danny Breer. Not going to oh say my it. God. Not going to say it. That is I a did, pretty hot take. I, I mean, did just Danny listen Breer is one of the best playoff performers of all time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he kind of is, right? But like, especially for the Flyers. Let's just for say the Flyers, that. yes. <laughs> So I mean, 116 points in 124 playoff games. That's that's pretty good. Like, and this is a lot of this is coming because I, you know, quick shout out to the uh, my dad used to play hockey podcast, Zach Kendrachuk. Yeah, Danny Briere on a couple weeks ago, and I'm listening to this, and I'm like, yeah, you know what, Danny Briere, like, was a sh- a lot of fun to watch. Like, don't you miss guys like that? And oh yeah, I'm like, you know what, I'm looking over Cam Atkinson's kind of stats, and you know the kind of player that he is, and he's a guy that kind of you know his stats aren't going to blow you away. Uh, but he, he rises to the occasion. You know what I mean? He doesn't play down to teams. Uh, you know, he's in the playoffs. He's scoring eight points in 10 games, eight points in eight games, four and six. He shows up on the stat sheet in the playoffs is what I'm saying. And again, not going to compare him to Danny B, but maybe we have today's version of Danny B. Let's get to the playoffs first and see what he can do. But I just, I'm wondering if he can fill that role. That's all I'm saying. That's all. I'm getting a little that, excited. That's all. That blue collar style of play, that hard nosed work ethic style that Cam Atkinson brings is definitely playoff hockey. Yeah. Like that's exactly what you need in playoff hockey. And it's something that Jake Voracek never, I've never seen him once bring that to a playoff game. No, I couldn't. Not what, him I, I barely ever seen him bring it to a regular season game. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, Kyle, I had the same thought process as you as he's talking about Cam Atkinson and his playoff performances. I'm thinking of Jake Borchek. And I'm just like, I this is the guy I've never seen that from. Rise to the occasion. Our eight and a quarter million dollar guy never rose to the occasion. The best you could say is against Montreal in the bubble. He had a pretty good series. But when like it came by to- accident almost. It, well, again, we were the heavy favorites. Montreal yeah. was not a playoff team. In a traditional year, they would have missed the playoffs. It was when we played the Islanders that Jake completely disappeared. Yeah. Agassin yeah. has been a part of a team that knocked the off. going got The going got tough. The players got bigger, more physical, and guess who and, disappeared? Right, and, and, and Agassin's the guy who not helped knock off Tampa Bay Lightning, who we see how good they are now. Not just you know, knock off, they swept. They swept. He's right. He's right. They <laughs> swept them. And that year, 
they broke the record for like wins in a season or points in a season, whatever it was. Like they, that's how good that Tampa Bay team was. Uh, Columbus was, you know, I know they added Duchesne and whoever else, but like he was a part of that core and they knocked off heavyweight content. The Flyers never did that. They played Pittsburgh and Washington that they were heavy underdogs because they barely made the playoffs and they got absolutely embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed. And well, it's not all on Jake, but when you're the second highest paid player on the team, it's a little bit on you because that's why you're getting that kind of money. You know, and Atkinson makes what 5.8 and he's doing that and helping knock off these other teams. So mm-hmm. that, that is, you call this a lateral move. I laugh in your face and I will literally say <laughs> you do not watch enough of this team to even make comments like this. And I'm dead. So this, this is like one of my biggest pet peeves with the analytics crowd, not to bring back up analytics is <clears throat> even if you lose the game, this is me speaking as a, a hockey fan. Not just a Flyers fan, a hockey fan in general. Even if you lose the game, if you guys literally put every ounce of effort into the hockey game, I'm not mad about it at the end of the day. If it's game seven and you guys are tied 1-1 going into the third period and the other team gets a goal and they win 2-1, but you guys are even in shots and chances and the whole game you battle your ass off, I'm not mad about it. I'm going, all right. You got beat by a hotter goalie and a better team at that very moment. And and that kind of shit happens. The thing I can't stand is I'm so used to watching the Flyers. And it it doesn't matter who they're playing. Good team, bad team, terrible team, middle of the pack team. The Flyers just are kind of like, man, you know, I'm just going to be playing hockey tonight. And then, blah, blah. That pisses me off so much more. Even if you win, say you win that game 3-2 and the Flyers look like dog shit doing it. I'm on Twitter bitching and moaning about how bad they looked winning that hockey game. Not talking about, oh, my God, you know what? The, the Flyers put everything out on the table and they lost to a better team tonight. And that's that. See you next game. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, there, there's no analytic before, to Kyle. show that. There's you said no it analytic before. to show work ethic, right? No, of course, and or nor you know fear, and that's a Ristolainen thing. But you said it before, like in 07 when they were bad. You know, people still showed up because they tried. Like they gave it their all. You know, I was at fan appreciation night, which was pretty rough game, but like they they were hitting people. They were trying to win. They gave it their all. We watched a lot of this team. And outside of like Giroux and Wayne Simmons and you know a player here or there, they slept through most of the season and it was embarrassing. And they got embarrassed. Like the two go hand in hand. They were a bubble playoff team, which is not something you really want to be because you're not getting a good enough draft pick to do anything with. And you're going to play the top team in the playoffs and you get embarrassed. Like teams like Columbus, who have guys who really care, they actually can, you know, go against the odds and pull something off that's magical and go on the Cinderella run. But the Flyers never did that. They were lucky to ever be in the series, and they lost to our, both two hated rivals in Washington and Pittsburgh, which is so hard to swallow. And was this is the are, epic, the Washington series. That was the epic bracelet toss. Listen, bracelet can I? Can I here's again. a hot take for you. I was hundred percent behind the bracelet toss. <laughs> it's it's Ed Schneider night. I want to talk Flyers to down for, They go down three nothing. <laughs> like it's like I, I remember at uh, Bruce, uh God, who's what's our uh, 
or an announcer name, something Tom Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer, yeah, right. It's something Nolan. Because <laughs> we gotta assess the penalty. We got we got assessed a, a two minute penalty. Yep. And he was like, way to go. And I was like, Yeah, you, the team is down like 2 0 in the I series. Love- They're losing this guys- game three to nothing. Like it was it's embarrassing. The they didn't even show up. That meme was probably single-handedly one of the funniest memes I've ever seen. The, the kid with the braces and that, that goofy sweater. So he goes to an NHL hockey game, leaves with two minutes and penalties. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but it's true. It, it's, it's true. It's, 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 it's so embarrassing. I'm like, I, I couldn't even watch it. Like, I would show up with my Flyers jersey somewhere, and they're like, this guy's a Flyers fan. That sucks. You know, it, it was it – was, never in the history of my life has the team been like that. Like, it was so bad. Nobody cared. Nobody tried. I think Noidworth was the only one who tried in that series. And the only only he reason he won two out. games. Because he managed to stay healthy for two games. And that was it. It was so embarrassing. It sucked. Lou Nolan, by the way. Lou the, Nolan, uh, thank you. Nice announcer. Yeah. I prefer I prefer Bruce Buff. By the way, on our <laughs> uh, on our on our all, all made up team, our PA announcer is definitely Bruce Buffer. <laughs> I didn't say that. I was Jim. I almost said Ted Nolan. I said Tom no, Nolan. That's the kid wrong. I went to middle school with. <laughs> um, Man, you aged terribly. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just irked me. It's like they were, the team was mad at the fans. I'm like, are you serious? Like it's Ed Schneider night. This guy embodied went doing whatever it meant to win anything, put it all on the line to win, and this is the effort we get, and we get two minutes. Come on. Uh, for reference here, just to compare, you know, because we were talking about Travis Sanheim and his height and his weight and all that earlier. Cam Atkinson, five foot eight, which is considered small in the NHL. Not if you're an NFL running back, but if you're in the NHL and you're five foot eight, that's you know you're you're small. Weighs 176 pounds, four pounds less than Travis Sanheim, six foot three. Cam Atkinson. You know what that sounds like Jim. What? The kind of guy who beats up Travis Sanheim against the boards. Yeah, he's going to body the shit out of him. No, I'm not kidding. That sounds like the guy who's like beat the exact play we're talking about. Yeah. Nathan Gerby, whatever. That sounds exactly like that play. And I guarantee you that's the kind of player he is. All or nothing. Cam Atkinson is closer to a normal body weight than Travis Sanheim is. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get off that. All I'm saying is it would be nice if Sanheim weighed more because this way he's not pushed off the puck more and he can play in the dirty areas and yeah, i don't know he is what he is, is is what i'm saying when it comes to size and you can't expect a player like him to be physical he just is what he is and well it, you, you, know, you guys kind of led to that on your last in case you missed it um around a certain amount of games played you are who you are and i think offensive defensemen get there quicker than defensive defensemen and is this who Sanheim is? Is he going to overnight? I don't want to say overnight. A lot of it has he's to do definitely with not bulking player. up any more than he is. No, it's it's a, it, how, old, is. how old? He's how old? He's still a string bean. Yeah, that's it. He's done growing. Is he going to put on muscle? Is he going to try? Like, I mean, this even if it, he man. did, does gotta he have the desire to play that way? Got to get Jim to send him some of them kale protein shakes. Dude, I'm just I'm straight up getting fat over here, man. I'm I'm imagine going to the gym four or five times a week and still somehow getting fat. Like, it's those damn taste of cake fucking videos you <laughs> <I> do. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody go look them up. 
Uh, anyways, video ever. <laughs> Please, you're subscribed. Find it. Now I'm thinking about. I'm just watching it over in my head, and it, the whole Me thing too. is just cringe. <laughs> I thought it was great. All right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> we had a another topic here, didn't we? What was Certain people believe we should not resign. Connect or uh, Couturier. Oh, Couturier. That's right. That's Good a bad call. move. That's probably the worst move an organization could make at this point because who are you replacing them with? Right. I would agree. Now, with that. I, now it's it's one thing if 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 we had uh if Nolan Patrick turned out to be that franchise center that we all hope. A butterfly you know I mean? effect and of then, Nolan Patrick. Yeah, if, if he turned out to be that franchise number one center, oh my god, you know what? Coots, sorry, buddy, but uh you might be shipped out here. Um, but as it sits right now, who are you replacing them with? Just... Your best bet at this point is Morgan Frost. And how y'all feel about that? That's horrible. It's terrible. Here we are three seasons later talking if no one, if uh, Morgan Frost is going to crack the roster again. I mean, He's I hope not... he does. If there was ever a season for him to take that third line role. That, I'm not even asking for to be a stud. I'm just saying, can you hold down? a third-line center NHL job. Because if you could, that could really help put this team over with that secondary scoring. But I think he lacks too much defensively, to be honest with you. I just – he's I just, just don't. Small. I don't see it. Yeah, I just don't. I, I don't love see it. I love him skill. as a winger. But no, we're, we have no. too many freaking wingers. I, I don't I, – Frost played on the wing. He got killed. He's got to play center. He's got to – he's got to play center. And he's got to put on a little bit of. I think it was a freak injury. I think we look into it a little bit too much. I think I he got it. absolutely hammered and skinny bones broke. No, I, listen. <laughs> and I'm going to steal this. I'm going to steal this from Flyers Daily because Bill Meltzer knows his history. Tim Kerr was built like a tank, and he got hit awkwardly, and he got injured a lot from that. And I think that Frost was a little awkward the way he when he got hit. It was a good, solid, clean hit. But he was a little awkward the way he was stationed or standing, however you want to say it. And I think that led to the injury. The fact that he missed the seasons really sucks. Um, and it feels like that he never couldn't put on any it. weight via muscle. Now that I agree. Injury. That, that I agree. really sucks. That I agree. He does. It's, it's like a reverse Sandheim situation, except for he's a center. Like he does need to put on weight. Like, come on. It's not as important because you see a lot of smaller guys like Mitch Marner or whoever. Like these guys can play in the NHL. I'm hoping Frost can do that. But if you take too bad of a hit or if you're at a weird angle and you take a normal hit and that puts you out for the season, that's a problem. You know, yes, this guy was a first round pick. It was late in the first round. Like I, I'm willing to give him time. I don't think he's a cast off. He's not a rootstoff or anything like that. This guy could be good. He's still good. I'm glad we didn't trade him. We've managed to improve this team significantly, especially on defense, and keep Morgan Frost. If there was ever a year for this guy to step up and take that third line role, this is the year. And you got to think that he knows that too. Because if he doesn't, now he's looking at what? Not much. He's going to have to, I don't know, what do they give him? Like a one-year deal? Trade Same him. thing they gave Patrick? I don't know. Trade him. Now, now he's in that situation where he's on the outside looking in. At this, you know, honestly, he's got the inside track right now because they want him to make it. They want him to prove it. If this year goes by and he's still not that guy, now he's on the outside looking <laughs> in, and that never bolds well. Never. They left the spot open for him. Yeah. Prove it. I, I think, I mean, if he doesn't. If he can't, if he can't play there this year, 
if for whatever reason he stumbles and he cannot play that third line center role, I don't see a future for Morgan Frost with the Philadelphia Flyers. I think he's more valuable trading him at this point if he can't make the roster. If you can't make this roster, especially as a bottom six, well, mid six, I'd say, what what are we waiting for? How many guys have we waited on? I mean, look at look at a guy like Scott Lawton, Lawton late first round pick, Lawton. Lawton. <laughs> we Somebody waited. Else did it besides we, me. <laughs> I, we waited how many years for Scott Lawton? Guess what? He's never going to be. He he will never be more than a, a a third fourth line player. Never. He will never be more than that. Yes, he has some spurts in the second line, but. Come on, dude. He's a he's a third, fourth line player. Are we gonna wait forever for there to be no value for Morgan Frost before we get rid of him and have the same damn thing? So to piggyback off of what Kyle's saying, Scott Lawton drafted what 21, 22, 23 in the first round, 2012. He is you for a first round pick, you expect significantly more. And as you said, not really much more than a third fourth line player i like his utility that's why he got the deal he did somebody he's a better version of uh, a more versatile version of michael raffle essentially because he can play center and he's bigger and i like that however when you go after a guy in the first round is that really what you're expecting no this is the best case scenario if you remember scott lawton he came up he played he played for the phantoms for what two and a half years before he came up as this new player Morgan Frost does not have that frame to do that. He is going to be boom or bust. He either is the third line center or he's going to not work out. You can't move this guy to wing. He's too small. You know, he's going to be a center and it's going to have, it can't be on the fourth line. He doesn't possess those skills like Lawton does. He's going to have to play with talent. He's going to have to be that third line guy. And if he fails on this team who needs centers, He's going to lose value. And at that point, can you even trade him? And if he can, what are you getting back? A third, a fourth, like third line this- center. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, give me a third line this center a, at this point. This is a boom or bust year for, for, for frost, unless he gets another injury, which would, I guess it would prolong it, but it feel like very Sam Moran where it's, Oh God, he's hurt again. You know, and hey, it, you it, hold and, your tongue. I'm just saying, like, dude, tore both ACLs. Like, that's impressive. No, he tore the same ACL twice. I, I think he's – did he? I forget. Either way, it was bad. All right? And it's like, oh, he's hurt again. You know, and, and you do that with Frost, and eventually you just – you run out. You, this team's going to draft more players. You got t- Forrester coming in, Wisdom coming in. They might at that point grab a center. or Even Bunneman is – at least he shows up. I know the skill's not there compared to Frost, but at least he's here. You know, I mean, Lazinski, we'll see what he does this year. You know, I mean, you can only rely on a guy for so long. He needs to show up and he needs to produce. He needs to be in the lineup and play. If he doesn't, you might have to close the door on Frost soon. And it's a shame. And only thing that will prolong his injury. We also did not bring that up. Uh, Connor Bunneman did sign a contract. He is staying with us. Two years. Solid. Friendly Second show. year is uh, he makes a lot of money regardless if he's with the Phantoms or Flyers. But friend of the podcast, good for him. Yep, the year, <laughs> friend Connell. of the pod. But whatever. <laughs> um, one thing we did not discuss that I did want to discuss. 
Where are you on? I mean, I guess we're all in agreement that we hope that Drew stays and resigns at a lesser deal. I think the idea of him and Couturier flopping contracts is a little ridiculous. I think Drew will be more in the five point five million dollar range, at least I hope. Um, Couturier, on the other hand, uh, what do you guys think he makes length and AAV? Eight by eight point five. Oof. Eight, so he's going to be what thirty this year? Yeah, all into his thirty-eight, but eight point five ensures he's going to get paid the whole time. Eight point okay. five for years thirty-six, seven, and eight—that's a lot. He's so he'll be twenty-nine in December. Oh, that's better. Okay, so it's yeah. not, okay, but still, it's still a lot. So thirty-five, six, and seven's more doable. Um, so my obvious obvious comparison is. Patrice Bergeron, who in 2013 signed an eight-year deal, um, it was, but it was only 6.875, so six. We'll just say six nine, um, significantly less. However, it was 2013. The exact same style of player as Couturier, and not to mention he's at the end of that eight-year deal today at age 36 because he was a little bit younger than Couturier when he signed it, and they're talking about extending him. I don't know what he'll make, but they are talking about extending him. He plays on the first line with the perfection line. A lot of that has to do with his line mates, but a lot of it has to do with him. If there's any player the Flyers are going to play, or going to pay rather, that long term, it is Couturier. So I have to... 8.5, I stand. (laughs) Listen, 8.5, the number itself, I like. I just would lean, hopefully, for the Flyers' sake, for six years, seven years. To go against what Jim and mainly um, Dan said on, in case you missed it, I'm not moving Couturier. I think that if you're going to have to extend any player, it is Couturier because he can last the longest. If it's a goal scorer or a speedster or something like that, those skills tend to taper off as they get older. And I, he mentioned Couturier on the fourth you think Pasternak's playing on the fourth line? He's mm. still playing on the first line. Couturier's not going to d- diminish to where he plays on the fourth line. He's going to be a top six forward still. And while the money is a lot and the years are a lot, I'm not that worried. I don't think it's as dramatic as it was, as it was made to seem. Jim, you have the floor. Give me what you got. I'm, not, I'm wondering why the possibility of signing Coots to – let's say a five-year contract worth $50 million is out of the question. You're saying 10, 10 a year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cause you're chopping off the back end years years that everyone's afraid about. Right. Yeah. At that point in their career where they're taking less years, they're going to want more per AAV. And if they could make it work financially, I'm all about that because that's what you're worried about. Those extra years. Um, However, is that is that feasible? Is it doable? They kind of did it with JVR, and that was a free agent year. But Coot think- has been underpaid for years, and yeah. it, and you guys brought this up too. And you're right; it's gonna it's gonna he's gonna want to get paid. I mean, if if we are comparing, just for shits and giggles here, because if we are comparing him to Bergeron, Bergeron is currently 36 years old. It looks like he signed, you know, his contract. Back in 2014, 16. So I, I don't know what that is. Quick math. He was around the same age as Coots when he signed it. A little bit it's, younger, but yeah. 
Okay, it's a 6.875 cap hit. I know it was a different era, you know, a couple years ago. I, you know, everything's more expensive now. Uh, his base salary through the first four seasons was 8.75. So it, I guess the point is if they can figure out a way to make the salary work, the cap hit won't be as high. I, I, I'm going to assume they figure figure out a way for it to work, you know, to where the cap hit is not that bad when Couturier is 34, 35, 36 years old. Because, you know, even though I threw out the scenario 4 by 40 or 5 by 50 the Coots is going to be a flyer for life and they're going to make sure of that, right? They're going to, you know, they're going to treat him well. They're going to give him what he deserves. Um, hopefully they can work it out in a way to where the cap hit is not over, you know, like Kyle said, 8.5. I, I think anything over 8.5, that's a lot of friggin' money for one player, man. It is, but I do expect us to come out of the flat cap error and the cap to go up. I mean, we need it to badly. I mean, at the same time, you see, this is my biggest thing is is you look at all these other players, guys like Nathan McKinnon taking team friendly deals. Guy, guy could be making twelve million dollars a year if he if he wanted to. He literally could if he if he asked. They're paying it, or they're getting arguably the best player in the game making what he's making. It's crazy. Exactly. So it it boils down to I think a lot of it has to do with how close are the Flyers this year. If the Flyers miss the playoffs again, I think Coots asks for more. He wants to win a cup. Yeah. Right? That's the goal of every hockey player. He wants to win a cup. He wants to get paid and he wants to win a cup. He wants to win a cup. He wants to be good on a good team, right? Cause he is good. But at this point with all the moves that were made, if they don't make the playoffs, at what point do you say it's on coots? Well, it depends if this defensive experiment epically fails. If Hart plays as bad or worse than he did last year. If he plays worse than he did last year, we're in trouble. Because with this defense, is it just come on? It's better, Ryan Ellis. Come on, it's better. Okay. Anyways, back to my point. Um, <laughs> I think that you you can. So you know how Jim, you just said five by five, or yeah. you know five by fifty. Okay, I understand that. But if you do eight by eight point five, right, and then front load those deals, so the first four years of his contract are ten ten point five. And then it's like, well, we don't even have to negotiate later on in your career. You could just be making 8.5. That's a good point. Whatever so, you're making at the end. I don't yeah, I don't point. think that works cap-wise that way. I yes, think it does. cap stays the same. It's what they physically what they actually pay him is the difference. It, I think it averages no, out or something like it that. It averages out. No, the out. cap so, number stays the same, but the, what yeah. they actually pay him is different. That's why teams right. like Phoenix pick up certain players to make well, their cap floor work. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's why I just that, said that's, that. That's actual money, not cap numbers. We're worried about cap numbers. I don't think you can he, change and, what, and they what make we cap just numbers. discussed. Is he's worried about money, Jack? So no, if what, you can give him five by five fifty in his first that. five, I don't. I don't think you're a human being if you don't think he cares about getting paid. He's gonna want <laughs> everything per year. He's not. If he gets front loaded deal, but he gets dick at the end of the year. It, 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 I don't think that matters at the end of the contract. I would, love, I would love to see Bergeron's deal, how that was. Anybody it was know? $55 million. Um, okay, it was yeah, loaded. but it was for, front loaded. For 
Yeah. Eight years back in 2013. This is 2021. Still, 22. They still front. They still front load people's contracts all the time, dude. It's still the same amount of money. You're just breaking up how you pay them. You're what just I'm paying them earlier. That's, that's it. He's gonna want to make the same throughout. So Bergeron, are you his fucking like agent? You. Did you talk to him? <laughs> I'm a human like, being, dude. like you said. He's gonna want to. He's been criminally underpaid his entire career. He's gonna want exactly. to cash so in. If he's making twelve million in the first three years, you're no longer criminally underpaid. That means that years four through two, three, and one, he's making like five million dollars. He's not gonna want that. So real quick, so it depends Bergeron, how good he is at budgeting. <laughs> the first four years of his, it looks like it's an eight-year deal here. Uh, the first four years, uh, his base salary uh, was eight point seven five million, uh, and then the next two years, in eighteen nineteen nineteen twenty, his base salary. See, uh, this is weird how they do this. His base salary was eight hundred seventy five thousand dollars with six million dollars in bonuses. Um, it's just it's just the way they structure the contract. Six million in bonuses. What was the first bonus show for the first game of the season? Yeah, right. So the first, <laughs> through the first four, it's just it's just how they structure the deal. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but bonuses are tax less. There you go. Yep, there you, you go. Mean, so if you structure it as a bonus, you're tax less on it. Absolutely. There I you still go. think the AAV per year is still going to be significantly high, and he's going to want the years on top of that. Even if you give him twelve million in the first year in bonuses or front load the contract, there's going to be a set AAV for the cap purposes, and I still think that's going to be significantly high. No I think eight point five is. I think eight point five is realistic. If you, if you honestly think about it, if you front load the first I do couple, too. I mean, I think if you it's front a little... load the first couple, and then you take him down to even six six point five in the last three years of his deal. You can't do that with AAV. It's going to be a set number enough. throughout. No, that it. I'm. Not, we're not talking about AAV, Jack. You're addicted to well, this that's AAV what talk. I'm talking that's about what matters. A, that's I'm, all that matters is AAV. The AAV won't change regardless of if you front load his contract what or not. Matter what you pay him on the front end. Like AAV is what we are worried oh about. If it's eight point five throughout every year, that's what matters. <laughs> if you pay him twelve million in year one, you're not only paying him 6.5 at the last year according to aav okay you're still on the cap for 8.5 that's the problem because that's a lot of cap yeah AAV doesn't change when he's 38 years old that's still the same right that's a problem at 37 38 years old so you can pay him 44 million dollars in year one his aav is the same throughout the contract and that's We're all not arguing that Jack, so what's the point of this that. argument then? No, you're arguing <laughs> you give, with yourself. You give him fifty point. million dollars year one, <laughs> it doesn't affect the cap. You're arguing with yourself at this point. That's it. I, I think you're talking. Go ahead. We're gonna have to do a whole another episode on this conversation because this could be good. We need to get some some. The, the, whatever you pay him is great, that. but his AAV is all that matters listen. with the salary cap. That's all that matters. When. When you listen back, thank you, Johnny. When you listen back to this conversation, you'll realize that none of us were arguing about AAV except well, what's you. What's the point, Kyle? What's the point? What is the point? I think the we guy were wants about to get contract. Yeah, the guy wants to get paid. 
So okay. all I was saying was front load his contract, but keep the annual average at AA or his AV in order to keep it at 8.5. Yeah. yeah, I understand. But you can front five is the problem at thir- age 36, seven, and eight. That's the problem. Is it because be playing though. on the first line at 36, wow. 37? So, like you just said earlier, that he was gonna freaking he's Bergeron. Oh my god, he's gonna I be don't fine understand when he's your point. I don't understand your now, point at all. I don't understand your point at all. You front load <laughs> the money that makes it more likely he stays. He still makes the same amount of money no matter where you put the money. It's all there at the end of the deal. So I don't I don't understand okay. how that it makes it more attractable okay. for you. Are, you are I, literally just fighting nobody. You're fighting air. I think, I'm asking I, you legitimate, straightforward questions, and you're not answering me. I don't think Jack likes answered the eight point five fucking times, dude. No, it, it, it the contract is not any more desirable because you pay him earlier. Yes, they always give him a signing bonus, but if you pay him everything, but the AAV is the same, how does that affect the team and the the cap? When you're paying a guy who's 36, 7, 8 years old, the same cap. He's, he's going to still right, sign the deal. 8.5, honestly, is a deal, if you ask me. If you look on Twitter, it's 9.5. So front-loading the deal, he's still getting the money at the end. He's getting everything throughout the life of the contract. Right. This, this isn't baseball. They're not putting it back. So he's 77 years old. He's getting his last paycheck. I, I, he's getting everything. Right. So I don't know how that makes it more desirable. Because for 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 Coots, you're getting all the money during his prime years. That's the point of paying him. That's the point of front loading. So you contracts. can't go somewhere else and get the same exact deal, but more. For Coots, and they just front load it like they do with all contracts. I suppose you could if somebody wanted to pay. Well, that that's money my for point. Coots. You can get that anywhere. Front loaded deals. They front load everything. It's desirable, especially when you're a free agent. So structuring the money so you get all of it actually in the beginning, yeah. you're going to get that wherever you go. Right. It's not going to change signing the bonuses. Yeah. You're fired up over this, but I don't, I'm trying to figure out why. I'm even told I'm arguing with myself, and I, I don't understand the question. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't think there is anything. I think we're just talking contracts. Yeah. Exactly. Put that up there, Jimmy. Well, that's, that's, that's what we're problem. saying, though. We're, we're not saying problem. the average annual value is going to change. The, yeah, exactly. So again, again, what's the point? He's not going to be more likely it's, to sign. He's locking the guy him... up over a longer term. Wait, I'm sorry, say that again? You're locking the guy up over a longer term. No, no, it's just the term is exactly the same. You're just trying to give him more money up front. But he's going to get that's it. That's the reason for front-loading a, a, a lengthy contract, though. But everybody does that. Everybody right, does. So it's either all right, that's fine, but it's like it doesn't affect the AAV from but a no team one's saying it's going to though. That's but a, that's, that's the problem. No one said it did. You can theoretically why is there a problem? 8.5 is a steal, according why, to you. I don't understand. Which I don't think he'll sign for it. I don't think he'll sign for that. But why? if theoretically he did, and you just said we're gonna give him everything, everything day one, the AAV is still an issue. And I don't Nobody think he cares whether he gets it day one. If he can make more money, making nine million a year and a more overall cap number with another team, paying so him day one versus his eight-year contract or seven-year contract, it doesn't matter. The AAV is going to stay the same. It does nothing for the Flyers, and he theoretically can make more money with another team at nine million per year, the same amount of length. You're trying to attract him to sign here by paying him everything up front 
versus yeah. over the length of his contract, or it, which he's still going to get a signing bonus. And it, it's not enough of it. He's making the same money, but he's making, he's making it quicker. the same money. Exactly. He's making it quicker. Whenever he gets it. But he's making it quicker. Which is, it's a, which is it's usually a little bit what of want. a thing to get if a you're gonna, If you're in line to make $80 million and you can see that $80 million in four years instead of eight, you want to see it in four. Unless I could see 210 in eight for another team, then it's different. Yeah, if, if you're going to make that, which is my if point, that means you're playing for another contract. <laughs> is it like twenty million dollars a year? <laughs> He's going to make more money elsewhere. I like Dan's comment here. <laughs> I, I just don't understand what you don't understand. You're like, we'll pay him the same <laughs> amount of money, but we'll just put it in year one. But yeah, this other people pay him more money. <laughs> I was just stating <laughs> a, how to make a contract. You, it's a it's a possible way to make one. I think if he has an agent who has a brain in his head, that he'll be like, yeah, well, you, I see what you're doing here. That's great. Uh, but we're going to go for the overall more money. Yeah, but what team in the NHL is going to pay Sean Couturier $9 million at age 37? I think they would probably pay him maybe less years at that. And then when that contract's up, if he still wants to keep playing, he'll have played less years, made the, essentially close to what the Flyers would have offered him, and then still be up for a contract later. Which overall, he'd make more money. How would he make more? He's going to be older. He's a Patrice Bergeron type of player. If you pay more money for less <laughs> years, you make, and then you do another contract and make more money there. Overall, no. you add up. You make the most money you can as quick as possible because your career is only going to. But you're go saying down. you pay him eight and a half, and to make him <laughs> look at another team who's paying him more, you're going to say, or tr he gets traded and he signs with that team because that's the argument. What are you going to do? Let him walk? He's just going to retire. No, he's going to sign with another team. Is this a serious question? He's 29 years old. He's a free agent. You're telling me he's not going to sign with another team? That's absolutely ludicrous. But that's why you offer him the front-loaded long-term contract. You don't... Because you, now you have him locked up for years, and he's making all I, the money okay, quicker. So answer me this. Why has no other team ever done this? They do do it. Not that much. You're saying a ridiculous amount. We need to well, I didn't even say an amount. Now. What amount did I say? Not you. Kyle's talking about giving him like $120 million in year one. Oh. What? <laughs> Why did I say that? I don't know. We're way over Whatever, an hour. Man. You, said, you said load the front year of the contract, which all teams do. So why him signing all with I another said, team? All I said. All I said. So why would another team said. do that? I'm oh, my God. Down. All I said was what Jim said. Five by ten, right? Give him the additional contract to eight years. It's an extra three years. Give him the five by ten in the first five years, which would what bring his his AAV after that, or not his AAV, but bring home what he's actually making per year down to what six point six point two six point one something like that. Break that down for me. I one think more any time team would do that. Any team would do that. Yeah, which that's all I was saying was that was my point that. is that's not going to be enough to attract him. Unless you give him more, unless AAV. he wants to stay here, unless he does he. Everybody's here. speculating because we've sucked for so long that he he might not. That's all my point was. You got me in circles over here. I'm saying another team who's actually good might pay him and pay him similarly, and offer more money. <coughs> That's it. That's all I was saying. I didn't hear that once. Yeah, because you got me trying to explain the contract <laughs> and how you want to pay a hundred million dollars in year one 
No, I thought we were talking contracts for Coots. Yeah. What? Why? What was I talking? I don't know. I was getting confused there. I'm like, wait, why, why are we arguing? Apparently, you could pay him a shitload in the beginning, and that'll be more attractive than to another team paying him the exact same thing, which everybody does. Jack, good thing we got Johnny listening over here. This way, somebody cannot pin back you up. Yeah, I love Johnny. He's the man. <laughs> it. I, I just don't understand how how doing something any team in the league can do will make him want to stay here. 8.5, I think, is a bargain. Oh, I love it. So front-loading the deal isn't going to make him want to stay here unless he wants to stay here, which what we've speculated and heard is unless they start winning, it's not going to be the case, and another team can offer him more money. Because as we've speculated, and the whole point of this conversation is we might not have it. Yeah. That whole conversation is a what-if situation. There's no well, right I think answer. it got out of control for sure, but my point is anybody can offer that deal, and they have. Yeah, everything is what if. There's literally no there's no right answer to this topic. It's this just is a, like the line A Proveroff conversation. Like it's it's just gonna be an endless war of no 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 this and that because there's no right answer. There's you know what do we there's no conclusion to this. Ultimately, what I was asking you, Jim, is are you okay signing Couturier? Yeah, I, if if the Flyers are gonna win a cup, that's the only way but, they can win a cup. They have to sign Coots. But the window is small. Sure is. And you're okay still doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I want to see a cup, damn it. And if if as long as they win a cup, I don't give a shit how long he's rotting on the on the roster. Ooh. At stage 33, 34. Oh, he needs one. Rotting. I just need one. My point is, I don't think he'll rot. I think he'll still be pretty decent. Yeah, I hope. I don't know if he'll be a, you know the best player on the team. Hoping that Faraby or somebody like that takes over at that point. But yeah, it's a lot of money, but like with Bergeron, he can still produce yeah, and still play that defensive play. He's not going to be a fourth-line guy making that money. No. That's why the contract's going to be front-loaded. <laughs> That's what I'm guys, saying, though. Because you outsmarted so the, so the average, M's and agents. Let me just clear this up. So the average, the average annual value will stay the same, but that no only matter what. affects the cap. No matter what. Right? That's the cap number. Correct. Contract. Which is... If Coots is making eight hundred and seventy-five thousand in the last year of his deal, you now have more money to pay other players. Is, but is okay, the why you do that? No, wrong. Because the A is still eight point five. You have more. Cash. The Flyers don't have a problem. They're not Phoenix. They're not the Coyotes. They don't need that money. They have plenty of money. It's all about the AAV. It's all about the cap. What they're allowed to spend via the cap. That's yeah, my you, point. Yeah, but, you do. Eight years it's from 8. now, it's eight point five in that be. last year. It's eight point five in that last year. The cap number stays the same, the but the money is different. But they don't have a, a money problem. They're not Coyotes, no, not Carolina. They, they could pay whoever. the The eight point five that goes into the cap number stays the same. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I agree. I said, but that's that not what you said. Yeah, I said the cap number stays the same. Kyle, didn't I say that? No, you said they had more I'm money done. to spend. I'm they done. don't. You said they have more money to, to spend. To they do not. <laughs> you said they have more money to spend. That is incorrect. Right. Money, payroll money, not cat money. But they don't have a payroll problem. They have a cat I problem. I didn't say they had a problem, though. You just said they have more money to spend. I didn't say anything about a problem. You said they have more money to spend. 
but I didn't say there was a problem. I said there was a problem. There's a cap roll problem. There's a cap See, problem. So that's the thing. You're saying there's a problem. I'm not saying there's a problem. So, okay. <laughs> what is your point? What is your point? They have more money to spend. What does that mean? It means they can reallocate money to other players. They, they don't sign. need to. They have they have uh, endless money. They can print money. They're Comcast. No, Cap matters because that's what the NHL allows them to spend on players. Yeah, but you, all right. So this is a conversation for another episode because you have to break it down year by year. Go look at the cap friendly. Thank you, yeah. Fla Thank you, Johnny. The cap stays the same no matter what the hell you pay him. You could pay a hundred yes, k one I'm year, but the eight point five mil stays. But you on have the to cap. make the money numbers work within that. There's other contracts. They make up the yearly amounts of money within the. If cap. we were Carolina or Florida or Phoenix, this could be a problem, but we don't have a money problem. It's a we cap might, problem. We might be if they don't start freaking winning. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a very good point. But I'm trying. That's all I'm trying to explain to you. That's why this thing spiraled out of control. Is the cap matters? The physical dollars do not. That's what the cap is. No, it's not. Yes, it's not. The Flyers could no. have. Um, think no, of Toronto. I'm Toronto could print money. They have $100 billion, but they can't spend $100 billion on their team. They can only spend 81 point, whatever it is. And if the cap number stays the same, even though they're only theoretically paying these players at the end of their deals less than what their cap is, it doesn't matter because as far as the league is concerned in their cap, if a guy like Marner's making $11 million, but they're only paying him five, they don't have an extra $6 million to spend on somebody because the cap is saying, no, this guy's $11 million. That's how they keep shit fair. Right. That's my point. So this is what I want you guys to do after the episode. Go on the cap friendly. When you go to the Flyers roster, click on salary. It's not going to tell you what the cap hit is. It's going to tell you the salary for each player. At the bottom, it shows you the total salary for the offense. It shows you the total salary for the defense and goalies. For each year, it all comes out to what the cap is. Okay? That's all I'm saying. So money does matter. And how you structure contracts matters. That's all I'm saying. It comes out to the cap number. All the cap Fine. number is is the average <laughs> of the contract. Fine. The, the average annual value. Go Whatever. It it's right there. Let but the, so let does the, the AAV. That doesn't change either. <coughs> no, it does not record, change. I agree. Let the record show. I um I'm not arguing that at all. That's not my point. My my whole argument was the structure of the, of the deal may entice him to stay here. And I understand Jack's argument is another team can pay him more and front load even more which would entice him to leave. That Thank was you. my argument. Was I had nothing to do. My argument had nothing to do with AAV. Listen, my we got argument off, was we got arguing, we went off the rails, went off the rails. My, argument saying that. my, my sole argument was eight by 8.5. Make that now, work. That's it. That's I could care that's less. That's where you were wrong. Paying. Look what you did. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> your fault. No, I appreciate you saying that. I, it was hard. I'm trying to like make my point, but you can see me and Jim are looking at two different structures of salary, and that's where the disconnect was. I look at AAV because when you look directly at the cap and what you can spend, it's it's the that cap friendly. That's what they give you. Um, if you have to make that salary work on the money end per year as well, by year, I so honestly God did the not books. know that it has to fit within the salary cap. That's what that's why there's a salary cap.
Right. So you can structure contracts that you here in the NFL, they restructure contracts all the time. Right. That's why. So they can fit in more money each year. Hey, we want to give this guy a raise so we can keep him around. We got to bump you down, uh, you know, a couple bucks and we'll pay you more next year. Is that cool? Yeah. If it means keeping this guy on so you can pay him. Sure. Let's restructure. That's right. how you restructure a contract. You make it fit in the salary cap. That's I mean, the NHL, you don't really see that as often. But to my point, uh, for example, a team like Phoenix. Okay, when we signed Pronger, we paid, we front loaded that deal, right? We traded Pronger to Phoenix so they could reach the salary cap floor, AAV wise, because he was making, I honestly, God, don't remember the numbers. Like it was up there, but, but actual dollars were really low. That's why that he made sense for Phoenix, even though he was retired essentially to acquire him because his AAV number was so high, but his actual, we're going to pay you this number was so low. That's what, that's what I'm saying. And towards the end of a deal, like Coots or something like that, like to him, he's going to be playing all those years. It's not going to matter as much if you front load it because anybody can do that. And we've seen that throughout the history of the league. That's all that I was saying. And you saw a team like the Devils get penalized for doing that with Kovalchuk, where they like paid him the first five years a ton of money. But after like I think it was a twelve year deal, like the last four years he was making like league minimum. Like that, that just the way they structure it to like manipulate the cap. That's why they did away with all that. Like that's that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. All right. So this could be a good conversation to have on another show. I'm going to have to figure out a way to edit this down to an hour. I'm really sorry. <laughs> we're at an hour and 28 we, minutes. We went on different wavelengths there. We were all <laughs> talking about different things, and I apologize. It was fun. It was tough to get my point across. I had a good time. I'm going to have to I listen to this one back. My face is red. I'm warm. <laughs> uh, I think I'm ill. My oh, wife texted Christ. me and stopped screaming. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up, boys and girls. Uh, everybody watching in the uh, the viewer section in the comments, thanks for commenting. Hope you had a, a fun time. I know I had fun. I, I hope you guys had a fun time too. Um, I wrote this oh, down, so, so we're gonna pick right off <laughs> next week with contract talk. Hey, no. beginning of the episode. <laughs> Who else can go an hour and a half on August twenty fourth? All we had <laughs> to talk about was Travis Sanheim resigning and. Jackson Vanderlick or whatever his name was. And look what ended up happening. So Vanderlist. Vanderlist. Uh all right, the we're gonna wrap this up. People, the funniest is people are gonna have to try to take sides in that mess. <laughs> <laughs> when they're gonna be like, none of you idiots are wrong except Jim. And you yeah. guys are fucking <laughs> the fuck you mean money doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, just so you know, there's only two people in the comments getting uh, T-shirts. Johnny and Dan, you guys can F off. We'll see, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for hanging out and, and for listening. Uh, yeah, let's go fly. Shit.